0: Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave Jings. A lot of topics to cover today. I'll start with Kimberly Schwind from AAA, Ohio, talking about the upcoming Memorial Day weekend. Then I'll spend about five minutes talking with Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman about the future of Social Security. In about 20 minutes, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including an agency that helps low-income parents with the cost of diapers for their babies, the abortion fight in Washington, sexual assault allegations by people who were working at Cedar Point, and a state lawmaker's effort to ban discrimination in Ohio based on sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with the producer of Tecumseh, the outdoor drama in Chillicothe that began 50 years ago. First up on Columbus Perspective, on the phone with me, Kimberly Schwinn. She is the Director of Public Affairs for AAA Ohio. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you.
0: How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Everybody knows what AAA is, but I'm going to ask you anyway. It gives you an opportunity to say more than just what maybe people think it is. What is AAA?
1: Sure. You know, what everybody probably thinks of towing when they think of AAA, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but we're so much more than that, you know, safety, security, and peace of mind. And so that's what we're all about. Uh, you know, we do everything from, of course, our legendary roadside assistance to uh, travel assistance and discounts. We have insurance, financial services, uh, we, you know, we, everything that you, we ha- have is really to help provide that safety, security, and peace of mind, whether you're on the road close to home or whether you're going on a trip. Um, and so we also provide a lot of different consumer information on you know, the, the advancing vehicle technology, uh, gas prices, anything to really help keep drivers and all road users, in fact, on the go and safe.
0: Everybody sort of turns to you to find out uh, what can be expected during major holidays on the roadways and such. And uh, Memorial Day right around the corner. What are you looking at?
1: are looking at an extremely busy Memorial Day weekend. We're predicting 39.2 million Americans, including nearly 1.5 million Ohioans, will travel between May 26th and May 31st. And this is an increase of 8.3% nationally over last year and nearly 7% here in Ohio. And it brings our travel volumes closer to those pre-pandemic levels in 2019, but not quite there yet.
0: Okay. And still uh, maybe a little bit of trepidation from people who are concerned about uh, the remaining virus that's still lingering or what?
1: Yeah, you know, I think... (laughs) People's habits have also changed over the last couple of years. So there's a lot going on now, right? So we do have this huge growth in travel, and it is going to be extremely busy. And it's a good predictor when we look at Memorial Day weekend of of what's to come this summer. So we expect a really busy travel season, but gas prices are at historic highs. uh, Airfares are high. Really, it's going to cost you more to travel anywhere. And so, you know, we have this pent-up demand where people want to get out. They want to travel. Maybe they haven't taken that big trip in a couple of years, and so they're going to go do it. But at the same point, we still haven't seen travel reaching the levels of 2019 quite yet. So we're still a little bit behind that.
0: You know, I was doing a little bit of math, and uh, Florida's about 1,000 miles away to Orlando, about. So if you've got a car that gets 30 miles to a gallon, you're talking about more than 60 gallons to get down there and back, which is... Easily an an extra hundred bucks over what it would have been a year or two ago.
1: Right. And, you know, we actually have a tool to help you calculate the cost of your summer trip. If you go to gasprices.triplea.com, there is a tab that says gas cost calculator. So you can actually calculate that on your own. I'm impressed that you did that in your head. (laughs) Um, You can calculate, you know, based on the vehicle that you drive, just how much it's going to cost you. Um, and, And that can help people with budgeting for that trip because it is going to cost more.
0: AAA has a great map uh, online where you can click or just hover over each state with a mouse and see what the price is and today I saw that it was 6.06 a gallon in California
1: Yes. Um, so luckily, we're not there, right? <laughs> so <laughs> if you're traveling there, be ready uh, because it, it, prices are quite high and prices are high across the country. In, in Ohio, we set another record high. It, it seems like every day we're setting new records with uh, the national average, you know, well over that 450 mark. Ohio average is appro- approaching that. And, and so it's it, it hurts. Um, it costs a lot more to fill up.
0: Talking with Kimberly Swind from AAA Ohio. Any indication how long this is going to go on? I know that the global markets have a lot to do with it, the, a lot of unpredictability.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you said it. It's that unpredictability, and nobody really knows how high prices are going to go uh, or how long they're going to stay high. But you know, we are taking a look at the crude oil prices, and as long as they stay above $100 per barrel, we're going to continue to see this upward pressure on gas prices. And there's so much uncertainty. Uh, you know, the growing market concerns that Ukrainian and European Union actions against Russian oil and natural gas companies could spark retaliation by Russia. That could lead to more market disruption uncertainty. There's just a lot of uncertainty out there about uh, supply and crude oil supply globally. And so that's that's really what's driving. Driving up these prices.
0: Then we head into the summer and fall and you get hurricane season and even that can have an impact. <laughs>
1: There you go. Exactly. I will say that you know, when you look at the historic trends, we typically see the highest prices of the year in May. Um, so you know, even when we don't have uh, you know the the global concerns of crude oil, we still see high prices just because demand is up because we're heading toward that summer driving season. You probably notice there's a lot more traffic on the roads. People are ready to get out. Again, they're ready to drive. Uh, we're also have the more expensive summer blend of gasoline, which usually adds about seven to 10 cents per gallon to the market. And so that's happening now. Uh, we'll probably level off. Well, typically in a typical year, we level off during the summer months uh, but, and we see the lowest prices of the, of the year in about the fourth quarter of the year. So the end of the year.
0: Where do Ohioans uh, typically go over Memorial Day weekend?
1: So a lot of Ohioans stay in state. Uh, We are seeing 92% of Ohio travelers are going to be driving to their destination. And that's actually higher than in pre-pandemic years. We saw about 90% of Ohioans driving to their destination. So we're still seeing a a large majority of people driving. So they're going to stay, you know, within Ohio borders. Uh, They go to, you know, that six-hour window is very, very popular. So Chicago, Tennessee. Tennessee is becoming a huge travel destination with Nashville and Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Uh, We also see, of course, people as we get into the summer heading down to Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head, so the the East Coast Coast beaches. Uh, When you look nationally, we continue to see Orlando, Florida as the number one travel destination across the country, and certainly Ohioans are visiting Orlando over Memorial Day as well.
0: The low-cost airlines uh have been adding flights to the Carolinas and Florida to a lot of Ohio's airports. It must be a pretty popular destination by air as well.
1: Exactly. You know, Florida, Carolinas extremely popular for Ohioans for, for summer trips, heading to the beach, heading to theme parks. Um, going, We're also starting to see more people boarding those cruise ships once again. So cruising actually remains really a, a growing popular trend that we're seeing. Picking back up after the pandemic. So, we're expecting over Memorial Day travel by other modes of transportation. So, that incru- includes the cruises, buses, and trains to grow by 200% nationally, 206% in Ohio. And, you know, people are saying they want to get back on those cruise ships. But despite this, we're still about 30% below 2019 levels nationally. Mm.
0: Now, the travel industry started to return last year quicker than the travel industry thought it would, which resulted in some squeezing in the airports. And uh, so is that is that happening again this year and what's happening with prices and availability, all that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, you know we're seeing a huge surge in air travel as well. So air travel is expected to rebound this Memorial Day about 25% over last year, and we were rebounding last year. So yes, we have a huge demand for air travel. Again, people are ready to get back out there and travel and take those trips that maybe they they haven't been able to take. And the supply, so we don't have enough flights and flight capacity, um, much less than we had in 2019. And so yes, there is that squeeze, um, and that's one of the reasons that we've seen a lot of issues with air travel and cancellations and rippling effects um, over the last several months. And so that we anticipate that to, to continue. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, you'll see you know, less capacity on the f- in regards to flights, um, but we have this huge demand.
0: Does that make travel insurance more important?
1: Yes. Travel insurance is really a must these days. And I think we all kind of learned that, that, you know, even if you have the best laid plans, really the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. And so that travel insurance is going to help you to protect your investment. You know, I know people spend thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars on vacations and protecting that investment with travel insurance is more important than ever. And what's awesome about travel insurance is that before the pandemic, travel insurance did not cover pandemics or epidemics. Now, travel insurance companies have added in coverage for COVID-19. So as we see cases rise, that should give you some peace of mind knowing that if somebody wakes up sick the morning of your trip or gets sick on the trip and you have to come home or quarantine, you could be covered under your travel insurance policy.
0: Talking with Kimberly Schwinn, Director of Public Affairs for AAA Ohio. I've been hearing uh, in the past about uh, rental car availability being low and also that hotels don't quite offer the kind of services that they used to pre-pandemic.
1: Yes, there's definitely some truth to that. And, you know, car rental rates are still high. Uh, You need to book early. Whatever you're going to be doing, booking early is really going to help you to get the availability that you need for that car rental or even that hotel. Good news is that daily car rental rates have decreased 16% over Memorial Day weekend compared to last year. So we're starting to see those come back down. Um, hotels, a really good idea to understand what the hotel is going to offer. Um, we are seeing hotels rates increasing about 42% over this Memorial Day weekend. So going to cost you more to stay in a hotel. Always a good idea to call that hotel. Understand what accommodations they have, what's open. Is the fitness center open? Is the pool open? Um, You know, are you going to have breakfast? Do you have coffee in the lobby? Things that you maybe have seen in the past, make sure that you understand what's available and what's not available ahead of time.
0: Good advice. Again, Kimberly Schwinn with AAA Ohio. Anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know... travel over the last couple of years has become increasingly complicated. And as people are excited to get back out and to travel again, uh, you know, things might not look the same as they did in the past. And it's really important to understand um, what it's going to look like when you're out there traveling. So working with a travel agent, they can guide you through the whole process. They have access to deals and discounts that maybe you can't find on your own. They can help with your travel budget. They can help you with those plans. They can help you navigate the complexities of travel. And so working with a travel agent is really a huge value. And we're seeing more and more people turn to travel agents instead of trying to kind of go it alone uh, and and use the internet by themselves.
0: And you still have some of the tools available for, uh, you know, like COVID restrictions in areas and things like that?
1: So the COVID restrictions map that we used to have um, has been discontinued just because the COVID restrictions have, um, for the most part, dropped across the country. But the travel agents are still up to date on, you know, do you need to make reservations for certain attractions and how far in advance should you be booking and, and what do you need to do? And so talking with a travel agent can help guide you through those things. Um, of course, you know, we still do have our, if you if you visit AAA.com slash you know, we have the the Triptych Travel Planner that you can do on your own. You can also download the AAA mobile app, which is a free app and that can help you actually with gas prices, right? So you're on a road trip and you want to find the cheapest gas prices near you, you can use the AAA mobile app. Um, there's also electric vehicle charging station locations on there as well so that helps. And hotels, hotel prices, um, so all of those things, all the travel resources that you need are free and on that app.
0: Outstanding. Kimberly Swinn, Director of Public Affairs, AAA Ohio. Always good to talk to you, Kimberly. Thanks
1: a lot. Thank you so much.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on The Fan. This past week, during a conference call with reporters, I had a chance to talk with Ohio's Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman about the future of Social Security. It it looks like the cost of living increase for Social Security might be substantial again next year, which would seem to be uh, depleting funds quicker than what the time scale has looked like in the past. Is that ramping up urgency at all in Washington?
2: Yeah, I mean, people are starting to talk about it. As you know, I just put an SSI bill out, uh, which is a part of Social Security that deals with this issue of not keeping up with inflation, um, so that if people have some savings, they'd still be able to uh, be eligible for SSI uh, based on basically adjusting the level to inflation. Um, And the same is true with regard to Social Security, uh, generally with regard to the Trust Fund, as you uh, indicate, you know, there's a date, I think it's 2034 now. Uh, when it would expire, and if you have more inflation, you're right, that data is going to likely come, come forward more, because there will be, uh, you know, understandably, and, and there should be, you know, cost of living adjustments that were not projected, so it's one of the many <laughs> huge problems with this level of inflation, and Dave, you know, for a while there, the administration was saying we won't have inflation, even though many of us, including uh, me, but also Democrats like Larry Summers said when we did the $1.9 trillion uh, legislation uh, last March, so about a year and a month ago, we said this is huge stimulus not needed in this economy. Uh, we were already hearing from the Congressional Budget Office that we would get back to pre-pandemic uh, rates of growth by mid-year uh, 2021, uh, and and yet they went ahead and did it, this huge stimulus package. and and we've warned it would be inflationary uh, they said it wouldn't be and then it was and they said it would be transitory and now it looks like you know through this year at least there's going to be uh, more and more pressure on inflation so a combination of bad decisions on huge stimulus spending that wasn't necessary uh, and the supply side uh, constrictions partly due to covid are uh, are are you know are the reality unfortunately so we're going to see People losing ground constantly because wages are not keeping up with inflation, gas prices, food prices, clothing prices uh, all continue to go up. Um, so my hope is that the administration will will see what's going on here and really focus like a laser on on trying to pull back on stimulus and trying to do more in terms of supply, particularly as it relates to energy. Energy is in everything. And uh, their policies on energy, particularly fossil fuels, have been to try to constrict or make it more difficult um, to produce energy, and that's part of the supply problem. Uh, The administration blames this on Ukraine. I would just ask you to look at the facts. I'm happy to send you the chart showing, you know, when inflation started, when the Ukraine crisis started, uh, on gas prices, you know, when they went up. Um, I'm not saying that the Ukraine issue has helped. It hasn't. It's made it more difficult, clearly, particularly with regard to energy but uh, it was already happening long before the invasion.
0: Senator, one other Social Security-related question. This decision will, if and when it happens in Congress, will be after you've left office. But do you expect the big fix next time around to be adding uh, the age to retirement uh, numbers? Or will it be a payroll tax increase? Or will there be a reduction of benefits or what?
2: Dave, it's really hard to predict, but there are about four different dials that you could turn. Um, One is as you suggest with regard to the payroll tax. Uh but as you raise that payroll tax obviously you have you know more benefits will go out to people who uh, who under the formula uh would, would then be uh eligible for more. Uh but that is one uh, one way last time uh when President Reagan and Speaker O'Neill came up with an agreement which was I think nineteen eighty three or nineteen eight yeah, I think it was nineteen eighty three. That's the last time we we, we made any progress. But then second is the age adjustment, uh, you know, changing the um, age to keep up with where we are in terms of longevity in this country. Um, I think that's, that's a possibility. And then um, in terms of the, the means testing part of it, there'd be, there could be more means testing. In other words, changing the, the formula to make it more means tested in terms of the benefit side of it, uh, in addition to the tax side of it. Uh, And then there's discussions as to what the inflation ought to be based on, should it be based on a more accurate uh, CPI, um, the market basket of of goods, that's been discussed a lot. So all of those dials can be turned in ways that make it possible to save Social Security for the longer term. And my hope is Congress does do that. I'm I'm supportive of it, Um, I'm uh, a co-sponsor of what's called the Trust Act, which uh, requires us to, you know, to come up with a solution on the Social Security Trust because the trust fund is is in danger, and that's the uh, old age and retirement part of Social Security, which is the part that so many seniors in Ohio totally re- rely on. Uh, about 25 percent, I believe, now rely on it for their sole source
0: of income. So we got to be sure it stays with solvent. Ohio's Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman from earlier this week. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10-TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130
3: on 10-TV. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. We're starting today with an issue impacting every Ohioan, the rising cost of everything.
4: The bottom line is this. My top priority is fighting inflation and lowering prices for families and things they need.
3: Even though it's expected to drop, inflation is hitting almost every aspect of our lives, whether that's food, power or gas prices. In fact, new government figures show annual inflation did ease off a bit last month, but it's still near a 40-year high. It's part of the reason President Biden said his number one priority is making life affordable for vulnerable Americans.
4: I know the families all across America are hurting because of inflation. I understand what it feels like. I come from a family where, when the, when the price of gas for food went up, we felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table. I understand. That's why I've got a plan to lower the cost for everyday things that make most people who work to have, who need. And that would fundamentally change the standard of living if we just made things more affordable. There's more than one way to deal with the impact on a family than what we're doing and we're going to beat inflation. But beyond that,
3: it's all about quality of life. The administration is considering ending tariffs on imported Chinese goods to lower some consumer prices. Inflation is impacting the cost of diapers as well. A growing number of families can't afford them and those who provide free diapers are running out. 10TV's Kevin Landers explains what you can do to help.
5: Last year was a record year for diaper deliveries from the Columbus Diaper Bank with 380,000 children served. This year, they project a half million. We were um, up by 48% by diaper distribution from the year before. But this year, the demand is even greater, as evident by this half-empty warehouse. And what do you attribute the demand to? Um, the economy. The economy. The lack of uh, people working out there, you know, being able to find a job that's, you know, well-paying to support their family. Sarah Poston knows that feeling. As a mother of three, she would come to places like Little Bottoms in West Columbus to get free diapers.
6: It was a lifesaver.
5: She says places like this helped her stretch her budget. Even with her and her husband working, it was a tug of war, she says, between paying for diapers or keeping the lights on.
6: Now this 25 $30 can actually go a really long way for the other kids that are in the house that we need food or we need to pay another bill to keep the gas on keep the electricity on keep that water running to
5: give you an idea of the demand for diapers at this single social service organization called little bottoms last year at this time they served 500 kids this year they're at 1100 more than double. The executive director says 70% of the families who come here for diapers earn $20,000 a year or less.
7: And we know that for an average family, it costs $80 a month to just put diapers on one child. So, you know, that's a heavy cost when you are literally, you know, accounting for every dollar in your budget.
5: Ohio is one of several states that continues to charge sales tax for diapers. We brought the issue to both candidates for governor. Governor Mike DeWine's spokesperson said, quote, we are actively considering the feasibility of removing the sales tax on diapers and we'll be exploring this with the legislature. Nan Whaley's team told us Nan is certainly open to looking at ways to further ease those costs, including eliminating the sales tax on diapers. Meanwhile, diaper banks like this say they could use all the help they can get. For now, they're able to provide 50 diapers a month per child. But that will depend on how long their supply lasts. I worry all the time. Kevin Landers, 10TV News.
3: Free financial advice is now available to everyone in central Ohio. There's a new program that's a partnership with the City of Columbus and Jewish Family Services. You can sign up. For one-on-one sessions with a financial counselor, those sessions cover whatever you want, including increasing your credit score, getting a loan, or some saving strategies. Again, sign up at 10tv.com/slash/featured-links. Ohio lawmakers are debating a bill that would limit local governments from claiming that they're immune from crashes involving government vehicles. Representative Catherine Ingram indeed, said her bill was spurred in part by the work the of 10 Investigates. In it was business. introduced. and appeared to gain some support from fellow lawmakers. Let's listen in to part of Ingram's testimony. Further, TV10 Columbus, through an open records request, reviewed 108 claims filed with City Attorney uh, Zach Klein's office since 2018 and found that in 60% of those cases, the city denied paying individuals for property or vehicle damages caused by collision with the Columbus Division of Police. The legislation will bring Ohio in line with most states in terms of municipal liability Representative Ingram was referring to our investigation last summer. That's when we found drivers hit by city vehicles like police cars were being stuck with repair costs, even when the police officers were at fault. You might ask, how's that possible? The city claimed the officers were immune from liability because they were responding to emergency calls. Then investigates found it didn't matter if they were actual emergencies or just non-emergency runs. Quote, any call to duty was deemed an emergency. Lawmakers have tried to clamp down on that, too, and now Representative Ingram's bill would further restrict local governments from being able to claim that they're immune.
2: That a citizen gets hit by a government vehicle, doesn't matter who it is, that they wouldn't, we wouldn't do everything we can to make one of the citizens whole um, is, is, has been mystifying to me. So I look forward to, to following this. I haven't obviously been as involved in, as you have been, but I mean, this needs to get taken care of.
3: Representative Ingram says she does expect some pushback from law enforcement and municipalities who might concern that they will end up footing the bill or that their insurance will rise for every claim. Former Cedar Point employees are raising some new allegations of sexual assault, harassment and hiring concerns. It's an update to a story we've been digging into for months. We aired our first investigation. We found 27 reports of sexual assaults dating back five years. Former employees who've come forward to say that they were victimized while living and working at the amusement park. Now, state leaders are pushing for change. Here's chief investigative reporter Bennett Haverly.
8: Since 2017, 27 reports of sexual assaults made to local police. Claims of traumatic experiences tied to those working for Cedar Point. Now, a growing chorus of former employees say their complaints were ignored. So you feel like Cedar Point's response to what happened to you was inadequate? Yes. This former employee asked not to be identified because of what he says he endured. He worked at Cedar Point for three summers, eventually becoming a supervisor, while trying to put out of his mind what he says
9: happened to him. He uh, approached me in the control booth of the ride, and he uh, tried to get physically touching me and, like, sexual gestures trying to make me want to do stuff with him and like making verbal comments towards me um i immediately told him no that's not appropriate i'm not interested in anything like that
8: he says he reported this incident and another involving explicit phone messages from another employee to park management he tells me he turned in a form to human resources but that neither employee was punished
9: That makes you feel very uncomfortable because you know They're your managers. They're supposed to be there for you, to work with you, make sure everything's going well for you at work. And it seems like they just push it to the side because it seems like they're always focused on staffing, staffing, staffing. We want staffing.
8: His comments echo what these former employees told my colleagues at our sister station in Toledo, WTOL.
7: I mean, I would like to see Cedar Point kind of take responsibility for their mistakes. Um, It seems as if they are just refusing to speak and brushing it under the rug.
8: These women say they worked in human resources and that during the pandemic, there was added pressure to hire staff, which meant in some cases doing so without completing proper background checks.
7: When I first started, I know it was a little bit different before I started when you know they started, but it was basically just if they pick up the phone, you were you know, supposed to hire them. It didn't matter if they gave you a crap interview or not. Um, they were more worried about the staffing inside the park than they were of uh, the well-being of their associates. And-
8: of the 27 reports of sexual assaults, 10 happened last year. In an emailed response, a Cedar Point spokesman said the park performs background checks on new associates, adding that it has been a long-standing practice and that if there are issues uncovered in the background check, we take appropriate action up to and including termination. That response did not address our questions regarding these additional claims of sexual assault and harassment that we've been hearing from past
7: employees. They should be able to feel that when you go to work, that you're working in a safe environment and that your employer is looking out for your best interest and is going to be there in your darkest hour state
8: representative lisa so of toledo who told me she too is a sexual assault survivor said she understands the trauma these employees have alleged she crafted this letter to cedar point ceo telling the park the allegations are deeply troubling and that they've revealed an unacceptable pattern she told 10 investigates she has not heard back
3: no response um, is is troublesome when there's
7: you know when there's these allegations that are being made and
3: it's not showing me that they're really taking this serious. And they need to take this very serious. And again, that's 10TV's Bennett Haverly, our chief investigative reporter, covering this story. Other elected leaders have now weighed in, including the governor and U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown.
5: Their reputation's been hurt by this, and they've got to fix it, and they've got to make sure from now on people need to be punished that didn't do this right or they committed any kind of crimes, and they've got to make sure from now on every parent that sends a son or daughter to work at Cedar Point needs to know that it's a safe place.
3: If you or someone you know is dealing with sexual violence, 10TV wants to tell you, wants you to know there is help available. You can reach the Ohio Sexual Violence Helpline at 844-644-6430. 35. The Senate voted to block an abortion rights bill. We are hearing from Ohio activists about this historic decision.
5: Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their requests to the attention of Human Resources. Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive columbus
0: 43215 if you'd like to view our current job openings please visit our website at 971 the com. and thanks for listening this is columbus perspective on the fan back to tracy townsend courtesy of 10 tv a quick note the two commenters at the beginning of this next segment are kelly copeland executive director of pro-choice ohio and mike ganadakis who's the president of ohio right to life
3: Welcome back. The U.S. Senate voted to block an attempt at ensuring abortion rights as law. The block was a 51 to 49 vote. And now there is reaction from both sides here in our state.
7: It's deeply disappointing because right now the U.S. Supreme Court um, is on the verge of overturning Roe versus Wade, which could allow states across the country, including Ohio, to uh, ban most, if not all, abortions. And we know that that is going to have a devastating impact on people, um, on really everyone, but it will be felt most heavily by people who already are facing devastating barriers to access to healthcare, including low income people, black and indigenous and other people of color, immigrants, young people, people with disabilities, people in the LGBTQ community, particularly trans people and gender non-binary people. And of course, as we know well in Ohio, people living in rural areas and other medically underserved areas where access to reproductive health care is already severely limited. So it was deeply um, troubling to see that we did not have enough votes in the U.S. Senate to ensure Chosen. The Americans have a basic human right to bodily autonomy. Um, Americans, I think, rightfully expect that our elected leaders will protect our human rights. And it was a deeply disturbing vote.
9: We're elated, you know, uh, the United States Senate put a piece of extreme uh, legislation on the floor and they couldn't even get to 50 votes. They couldn't even get to half. In fact, it was bipartisan opposition to what uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats put on the floor. It failed 51 votes to 49 votes. The United States Senator from West Virginia, a Democrat, voted with all the Republicans to vote no. So it never got to 50 votes to even consider. You know, some people are talking about the all oh, you need 60 votes. They couldn't even get to 50 votes. And it was bipartisan opposition. And we're related because we believe, and we read the bill four or five times. It was extreme as it gets. It would have eliminated every single regulation in every single state across the country. To include here in Ohio, we have a parental consent law. A minor can't get an abortion without a consent of a parent. If Chuck Schumer and the Democrats' bill would have passed, it would have eliminated parental consent. It would have eliminated twenty-four hour waiting period. It would have eliminated all the health and safety standards we have currently for abortion clinics in Ohio. That's extreme and wrong. And I don't believe any American regards it to. pro-life or pro-choice supports that.
3: You will recall weeks ago, a Supreme Court document was leaked suggesting the justices would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. It was a draft document. If that draft does turn out to be how the Supreme Court votes, it would be up to states to decide where they stand on access to abortion. But at this point, any person who needs or wants to have that procedure in the United States can legally do that. We should also note, Ohio is currently working to get two so-called trigger laws passed. A trigger law ensures that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, our state would make abortion illegal immediately. Senate Bill 123 and House Bill 598 still in the works. Those pieces of legislation would include exceptions that would give a person access to abortion if the pregnancy was life threatening, we will certainly continue to watch the situation and unfold as it unfolds and report back to you. Right now, a team of Ohio lawmakers is hoping to ensure more rights for LGBTQ plus Ohioans. State Senator Nikki Antonio is reintroducing the Ohio Fairness Act. Its goal is to ban discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity or expression
10: this is why this bill is so important to me, everyone in a democracy, everyone has the right to live their authentic life. And so if right now people are being denied being able to do that, um, then that requires advocacy and good public policy like passing the Fairness Act. Now, the other thing we haven't even talked about is the fact that it's good economic policy as well. You know, we hear all the time about Ohio wanting to attract big businesses. Intel is going to set up this huge um, expansion in, in Ohio. Other companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon um, either are setting up places, have places ready or want to expand. What do they need then? Talent the best and the brightest, right? And so if we're going to be a state that welcomes those kinds of businesses, who, by the way, all have the policies in their companies of protecting the rights of LGBTQ people, if Ohio says we're open for business and we're welcoming everyone to come here, uh, then we need to be real clear about providing these protections so that people do feel safe, That they can bring their family, that they can live their lives without the fear of um, discrimination or bigotry. Put their
3: kids in school and everything else that involves just living your best life and being part of a community. We should also note that the Ohio Fairness Act is a bipartisan bill. Senator Antonio says if it passes, the LGBTQ community would have better access to housing and to jobs in our state. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And ahead, we take a deeper look at how mental health impacts coaches in our state and a bill that is working to teach them some new skills.
0: Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. This is Columbus Perspective on The Fan. Coming up in about five or six minutes, I'll talk with the producer of Tecumseh, the outdoor drama in Chillicothe, which is heading into its 50th year. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
3: A new bill in the works could make mental health training mandatory for coaches. Ted TV's Kevin Landers has more on why some believe this bill could save lives.
5: Work together. Oh, work together! Head coach Matt Triplett of St. Francis de Sales is unique. Not only can he spot a good lacrosse player, he can also spot one of his athletes who may be struggling with a mental illness.
8: Having that knowledge that, I, that I'm prepared to handle that conversation, the amount of kids that have come forward has tripled, quadrupled, quintupled, whatever you know, whatever metric you want to put on it. Um, it it's 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 been a noticeable change ever since I've gone through
5: that. Four years ago, Triplett completed a mental health first aid course through Ohio's Adam H Board, or Alcohol, Drug, and Mental Health. It was then that he realized how valuable the training is and thought his fellow coaches would benefit. So the training was absolutely incredible. And, you know, and I've
8: utilized that training, I think, more in the last 18 months after COVID than 24 years of being a head coach.
5: Let's go full speed, full speed. Triplett says his training has helped him better relate to the kids he coaches because they know he has the training and he's able to Recognize the signs of mental illness that kids may not want to talk about. He recalled one student who complained about food poisoning every time there was a big game. We started to kind of see a pattern, and I was able to identify that as anxiety. I was able to reach out to the school counselor. Triplet reached out to State Representative Mike Locheck, the U.S. Air Force veteran, underwent similar mental health training when he was enlisted.
9: I think the benefit of this bill, the biggest portion, is that we're going to have coaches that know how to react and identify portions of, uh, you know, when when kids need help.
5: House Bill 492 would mandate mental health training for every coach in K through 12. It would tie into the existing Lindsay's Law, which already requires coaches to have training for sudden cardiac arrest as well as concussions. And coaches would have to have this training every time their coaching certificate is renewed. Ah, good D, good O. As for Triplett, he believes the more coaches who can understand what their athletes are going through mentally, the better the player and the person can be. Anytime something happens in the mental health
8: sphere, whether it be suicide, eating disorder, or attempts on their own life, everybody is always trying to get trained after the fact, after it's made personal to them. This bill will get out in front of that. Stay with it, stay with it. Kevin Landers, 10TV News.
3: The legislation went before the primary and secondary education committee in March. We are going to watch that and certainly keep you updated on its progress. You know, 10 TV has been talking about mental health awareness all month, and we want to remind you of a resource. If you or someone you know is struggling, call 800-273-8255, and you will be connected with a trained crisis counselor in just five minutes. Thousands filled the streets of downtown Columbus to raise money for research and a cure for breast cancer. Long after the final person crosses that finish line, the work does continue, and it moves beyond that 5K course to the Statehouse. I talk with Jennifer Nelson Carney, who is on the Komen Public Policy Advisory Board, one of several volunteers around the country working to help set public policy priorities every year.
6: That's one of the things I'm I'm really proud of Komen for. Of course, we're known For Race for the Cure, which is a great event from a fundraising, awareness, and celebration standpoint. Uh, But Komen does many other things um, advocating for patients, driving research, and importantly, improving access. Mm -hmm. And as Komen works around the country to try to um, influence state legislatures to make changes to get more access to patients for care and treatment, Uh, that's something that Komen's been really focused on focused on and I'm excited to say that we've had some movement on that in Ohio. Mm
3: -hmm. Are there um, one or two big issues or examples that you can share with us today?
6: last year under the state budget bill there was a an expansion of eligibility for the breast and cervical cancer project mm-hmm. um, some people know this as the BCC project through ODh and the expansion was to allocate additional dollars so that more women can have access to breast and cervical cancer treatment so we were so excited about this because it enabled women who maybe wouldn't have had access before because they were underinsured or uninsured to have access to treatment mm-hmm. and it makes such a huge difference for you know any woman that that needs that care but especially women um, who are of low socioeconomic economic status or racial or minority groups that do not have great access to healthcare, care, mm-hmm. uh, this is going to make a huge difference. And I'm really proud of Komen for advocating for expansion of coverage and treatment like this, because those things make a real difference in the lives of, of everyday people.
3: And Nelson Carney says patient navigation is also important. Komen works to provide patient navigation resources to patients so that they're aware of the services that are out there and available to them and how to make and get that access to those services and access to treatment. We thank you all for joining us here on Face the State today. Have an excellent week.
0: That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10TV.
11: Science is not an opinion. People come before pipelines. It's not too late to act on climate. No one is above the law. At Earth Justice, we hold these beliefs to be self-evident. As a national legal nonprofit fighting for your right to a healthy environment... We are 150 plus lawyers representing clients free of charge because now, more than ever, the earth needs a good lawyer. No one fights more cases on the environment than earth justice. And we win because these are fights we cannot lose. We win for scientists so they can serve at the EPA. We win at the Supreme Court because clean water is for everyone. We win against fossil fuel plants so communities can breathe freely. If you believe what we believe, then help us fight the good fight and help us keep winning by going to earthjustice.org today. That's earthjustice.org.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me, Brandon Smith, who is the producer of the Tecumseh outdoor drama in Chillicothe. How are you? I'm good, Dave. It's good to be with you. Thanks. Thanks for talking to us. This is a huge year for these performances.
12: It's a big year, uh, 50 years this year. Um, You know, it's not 50 consecutive years because we had to close for COVID a couple of years ago, but uh, 50 years it is, and uh, uh, who'd ever thought that, that... that, that a play could last that long. It's pretty amazing.
0: And it's neat to, to look at your story because you actually go back to the very beginning with this.
12: I go back a long ways, not, not to the very beginning, but, <laughs> but a long way. Um, I started here, I think, in 1993, uh, which would have been about the 23rd season, I think. Uh, so I was here for the 25th uh, and uh, spent, about, spent about eight years here uh, working the summers while I was in college and high school uh came back one random summer uh to run the gift shop and then uh Uh, Have been back for eight years. This will be my eighth year uh, back as producer.
0: (laughs) I got my wording mixed up. I didn't mean to imply you were in your 70s or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I meant meant that you actually started in almost like a beginning position with the place, right?
12: Sure did, yeah. I actually uh, started as a ticket taker, um, uh, filling in for someone who had to leave midsummer. So that first year was just uh, kind of a half a year. Uh, and it was really a fluke. My brother was uh, working in the box office and uh, oh. uh, came home one night and said, hey, do you want a, a job for the rest of the year? And I said, sure, why not? And uh, <laughs> and, and, they, and I haven't been able to get away since.
0: That's, that's an amazing, that's a great American story to go from ticket taker to the producer of the show.
12: Um, yeah, it is. You know, to, uh, my experience here at Tecumseh um, kind of um, uh, kick-started my interest uh, in working in the theater, uh, and, uh, you know, I was a, I was a music kid, uh, all through high school. And that was my plan was, uh, uh, to go get a, a music degree. I played cello and, uh, and did quite a bit of, uh, auditioning and, uh, for college for that. And I remember my senior year, you know, during that time, at least you got a few days off of school where you could go do college visitations. And, uh, I always wanted to go to New York city. So I thought, well, if I go audition in New York city. I can get days off of school and kind of get a, a free trip to New York. And uh, I had a teacher who uh, I had played uh, bass in, in the pit for a musical for her, and she said, uh, well, I know some people uh, at uh, the Stella Adler uh, uh, Academy uh, that you could go audition for, and they're great people, and I think you'll enjoy it, and, and so go do that. I had no expectation of getting in at all. Uh, And much to my surprise, I did. Um, So that kind of changed the the whole course of my life. And I moved to New York and went to acting school and uh, stayed there for about 10 years and then bounced around uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, North Carolina, northern Ohio before – before this job came open and, and allowed me to come back home, which which is great because my family is still here and uh, this is home, and I've always loved Chillicothe.
0: You're a real Ohioan. You some of your uh, past experiences have dealt with the Symphony in Mansfield. I mean, you've been you've been around yeah. the state and done a lot of a lot of big stuff.
12: It, yeah, and and it's been great. You know, the arts uh, community in Ohio is is really a very robust one. Uh, a small knit community, you know, we kind of all know each other. Um and uh just really great people doing great work all over the state and I'm I'm really proud to be a part of it.
0: So Tecumseh in a nutshell, what is it?
12: So we're an outdoor drama. <clears throat> uh, again, we've been here since 1973 and we tell the story of Tecumseh, uh who was, you know, a great uh, Ohioan that uh, that we celebrate. He was uh Born near Yellow Springs and grew up here uh, near Chillicothe, not just a couple miles from where the theater is. And uh, he became world famous for his attempt to build a Pan-American confederation of Indian tribes with which to stop the further westward expansion of the United States. And he nearly pulled it off. Uh, he uh, ultimately was defeated uh, in Indiana at a village that he'd established over there on the Tippecanoe River, um, and after that he joined the British Army in the War of 1812, became a general in the British Army, uh, and was killed in that war in 1813 up in Canada. So it's, it's kind of an amazing story. Um, and in 1973, when they first produced the show, it was one that was not well known. Uh, you know. It, in the further, you know, bigger reaches of the United States, but, but also just here locally. I think people knew the name but weren't really sure why they knew it. And so this play has done a number of things uh, for the community as far as creating tourism dollars and, and all of that. But it also, I think, has really opened up a celebration uh, and acknowledgement of the history that we have here.
0: So during, a, I understand that, that the seating capacity is near 2,000 for a show. Is that right?
12: Yeah, there's about 1,800 seats uh, in the theater. Last year, because we were under COVID restrictions, we weren't able to sell all 1,800 seats. We kind of capped it at about 1,300. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot, you know, under those uh, guidelines. And one of the things that we learned was that having 1,300 people here instead of 1,800 people here was a a good thing. Um, It was easier to park. It's easier to get through the restroom lines and all of that stuff. So we're going to leave that cap uh, at 1,300. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, further plans are to, uh, replace all the seats in the theater probably next year. And so by doing that, by nature, you know, the seats are going to be a little bigger. And, uh, so we're going to lose seating by that. And, and 13 to 1400 people is, uh, is a comfortable and good place to be.
0: Does that do anything to the acoustics when you've got fewer people there?
12: Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, the acoustics in the theater are, are really kind of amazing, um, you know, for, 49 years. We, we haven't used a microphone on that stage. That's changing this year. Uh, we were uh, just about finished installing uh, a massive new sound system, which will do a lot of things, uh, but it will also give just a little bit of amplification to the voices, uh, which will help on those nights when it's really crowded or uh, when the insects are particularly loud in the trees <laughs> or the wind is blowing, uh, and it makes it a little harder to hear on those nights. So, uh, we're we're pretty excited about getting some microphones on the stage.
0: Talking with Brandon Smith, producer of the Tecumseh Outdoor Drama in Chillicothe. How many performers do you have, and where do you find them?
12: Uh, there's about 60 people in the company, uh, all told. So that's technicians, actors, stage managers, etc. Uh, and we find them all over the world. Um, we go to four to five. Uh, what we call cattle call auditions uh, every year. Um, and so that's an audition where there'll be 100 different theater companies sitting in the audience, and you'll just see audition after audition. There's a couple of them where we'll see two to 3,000 auditions in just a few days. Um, and so all told, I think this year I looked at about somewhere between eight and 10,000 headshots, uh, watched Five to 6,000 auditions, and from that we whittle it down to about 60 people. Wow.
0: Is there a lot of local input at all?
12: Yeah, there is. Uh, So we have a lot of locals involved in a lot of different places. So obviously the house staff, the box office crew, parking, maintenance, uh, all of those people are local. Our head pyrotechnician uh, lives here in Chillicothe. He's been with the company for 40-plus years. Uh, Our uh, horse trainer uh, Tim Klein uh, grew up in the show. He was a little kid on the stage uh, and uh, grew up to be one of the most respected horse trainers in the world. And he lives five miles down the road. So uh, he takes care of all of our horses. Uh, and then uh, we have a few actors who are local in the play. Uh, I think more this year than more. I think we have four this year, uh, which is more than we normally have. Uh, and then uh, uh, the board uh, is uh, comprised of people from Ross, Pickaway, and Pike counties. Uh, so there's a lot of local input. And then, of course, you know, just the businesses uh, in the area that support the show. Uh, it really, it, it could not happen year after year without that kind of local support.
0: So are some of the main stars of these from year to year, are they uh, aspiring actors who want to make it to the movies and TV or to Broadway? What is their story?
12: Yeah, absolutely. Um You know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people who come through here are either interested in in, uh, making theater uh, a profession for themselves uh, or are just trying it out to see if maybe they're interested in that. And, uh, you know, I think the training that you get in any theater program is going to be applicable to whatever it is that you do. You know, if you become a lawyer, uh, those acting chops are really going to help you. Um, anything that you have to deal with the public in. Um, so I think there's valuable lessons learned no matter what it is that, that you wind up doing. But um, we've had many people go on to have uh, successful careers in the theater, both on the stage and off, uh, Uh, Michael McGuire was here in the 80s. He wound up winning a a Tony Award for the original production of Les Miserables and many more uh, as well. But there's a lot of people who are working in Hollywood right now, particularly on the stunt side, uh, who learned their craft here at Tecumseh. It's
0: tremendous. I I watched a video where you described a night when the performance is getting ready as – though a tornado is ready to hit because yes. you don't know you know you have a general idea what's going to happen but you don't know about everything that's going to happen
12: yeah i mean that's uh you know one of the charms of, <laughs> of doing, producing <laughs> theater outdoors um it might rain uh you might get a goose land in the middle of the stage uh <laughs> we had a weather balloon come down one night in the middle in the middle of the scene um you know our horses are are highly trained i mean they Uh, This is what they do. They love coming here. They just came back on property a couple of days ago, and you can tell they're happy to be home. Uh, And, uh, you know, 99.9% of the time, the horses do exactly what they're supposed to do. And 0.1% of the time, it's a wild card. So, uh, yeah, there's always uh, 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 elements that are are outside of your control. But uh, the rehearsal process, the training, the safety training that we do here, Uh, gives those actors and those stage managers the tools that they need to be able to respond safely and quickly to pretty much anything that could happen.
0: A little bit off the historical track when a weather balloon lands in front of Tecumseh.
12: Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was quite something.
0: (laughs) As you alluded to, his story, though, is amazing because he was an enemy of the American government and yet respected by, from what I understand, the American government. I mean, they knew that he was somebody to deal with, an intelligent leader. And and also involved in the war of eighteen twelve, who would ever think so? You know?
12: Well, yeah, no, it, it truly is an amazing story. There's some great books out there, and you know, it's always my hope, uh, you know, we can't tell his whole life story in a two hour play here. Um and so it's always my hope that people come, they get interested and they want to learn more about it because it, it is an important part of our collective history, and I think that really at at its at its heart this show is the story of what can happen when a group of people, a community, gets together uh, to work towards a common goal. And I think that people can identify with that, uh, whether or not they know these people or not. There's, there's some kernel of truth in there that everybody can identify with.
0: Talking with Brandon Smith, producer of Tecumseh, the outdoor drama. This is the 50th uh, season coming up. What about ticket availability and, and anything else that you want to tell us about when the season gets underway?
12: Yeah, uh, TecumsehDrama.com uh, will give you all the information. You can buy your tickets right there. Um, you know, it, it, uh, most nights, uh, if people are just you know sitting at dinner at five o'clock and they go, Hey, let's go see Tecumseh tonight, you can probably walk up and get a ticket. Uh, The exceptions to that are Fridays and Saturdays, which generally sell out every week. So we recommend that people do make their reservation in advance for that. But, um, you know, it can it can be a a spur of the moment decision to come down if you want to.
0: When is opening night?
12: June 16th uh, is opening night and we run Monday through Saturday until Labor Day weekend. So you've got 73. I think it is this year. Uh, chances to come see the show.
0: Outstanding. Brandon Smith again, producer of Tecumseh Outdoor Drama. Thanks so much for your time today.
12: Thanks, Dave. It's been a pleasure.
0: This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation to The Fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS-AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS-FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.